leaned over to some of my colleagues and I said, want to do a show for the internet? And they all looked at me like I had lost my mind and said, nah. I thought to myself, hmm. And I went, I'm doing it anyway. And I went home and I pulled this out from my drawer and I thought, how can I make it specific? How can I make it interesting for the internet? What can I do with this that would make it not a show that wasn't on network and therefore went someplace else? Story Life in General is the story of the people who work on the second longest running soap on American television called Greenville General, a soap opera that takes place in a hospital. The behind, it's Life in General is behind the scenes of that. Greenville General is the name of the show they work on. And I thought, I'm going to make Greenville General its own show so you can watch the behind the scenes and then you can see what the fuss is all about. Welcome to this edition of Daytime Confidential. Today, Luke and I welcome Karen Harris, an Emmy Award-winning writer from General Hospital, who has started her own web show for Strike TV called Life in General. Karen, welcome. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So, Karen, tell us a little bit about Life in General. How did the concept come about? I started working in daytime television in the early 90s, 1993. I had been in primetime TV for quite some time. Um, I'd been a showrunner and a head writer and a creator and a producer and had a really, really uh, good role going. And um, in the early 90s, comedy became king, and there wasn't a lot for the kind of shows, a lot of call for the shows I used to do. I was doing a lot of action-adventure shows. I used to do The Incredible Hulk and Simon and Simon and uh, Knight Rider and Street Hawk and that sort of thing. And I'd done a pilot. So I'd done started doing... Um, more character-driven shows. I, I had done some stuff for Aaron Spelling, and I did some things at Lorimar. And, um, and suddenly we were, um, didn't, there wasn't a lot of call for, for that kind of writing anymore. I had worked at Universal with Wendy Rich, and Wendy had gone over to be executive producer of General Hospital, and she had uh, called me and said she thought I would have a good time in that genre. She thought it was a good, a good mix and a good match, and I went and started and uh, and worked there. And I used to go back and forth. I would I worked for several years at GH at the time. But when I would leave there, I would go and do a primetime show. I did I went back and forth quite a bit, and I did a lot of syndicated action shows and international co-productions. But somehow, the, when I first started working on uh, General Hospital, I had originally been a fan of um, Soap Dish, as so many people are, and kind of that I've always loved behind-the-scenes looks at um, uh, television and, and movies. I thought Tootsie was great. And I thought, boy, you know, it's really it's really everything that <laughs> they say it is. It's bigger than life. Um, everything's a little more intense. It's 52 weeks a year. It's five days a week. I used to say there's no, there's, there was no light at the end of the tunnel. Oh, yes, there is. It's a train, and it's headed right for me. Which is somehow out, sometimes how you feel. Uh, it's a very, very different world, and it's and it's also treated differently in the industry. But I thought it was a lot of fun, and I actually came up with the first kernel of the idea for Life in General. Existed in the early 90s, 
And in the mid-90s, and I had worked on developing the characters and kind of a whole concept, and I had actually pitched it around a little bit. Um, and uh, I didn't get... I couldn't get people interested in it. A lot of people said that behind-the-scenes shows, you know, uh, about show business don't work. Um, and every time one happened and, and didn't do well, it was further evidence in their minds that, you know, that you, it's doomed, you can't do it. So, But I kept pulling it back out, and I, I loved it so much. I kept thinking there must be why. I had it, I had it designed originally as a half-hour kind of dramedy. And uh, I kept finessing it and working with it and one time I was on uh, in between jobs and I started to write it. I wrote the teaser, I wrote Pakistan. And then I got distracted. I had to go and do another job. I think at that time I got hired to go work as head writer on Port Charles, which was the general hospital spin-off. So I put it aside and um and that's where it was until uh the writer strike of this year, oh seven, oh eight. I was at a meeting at the Santa Monica Civic in December with some of my colleagues from General Hospital and several thousand other writers, and they were giving us kind of an update on where the guild was and where the negotiations were and what was going on, and there was different members from different committees giving um, kind of updates on their committee, and one of the committees was United Hollywood, which was a website that had started kind of as an informational uh, uh, point of view for writers. It was taking news of the strike and separating it from um, from mainstream media, so that we had a, kind of our own perspective. It was an, it was interesting. We did they did interesting videos. They're really a talented group of people, and they said they were starting something called Strike TV. That one of our big issues in the strike was uh, new media and the internet. And the companies were very adamant that there was no business there yet. That they didn't know what the business model was. They didn't know how it could work. They didn't know how to do it. It was they were absolutely dead set against any kind of forward movement in new media. And a bunch of really, really forward-looking people in, who were professional writers said, maybe we'll just show them how it's done. And they made an announcement, and I leaned over to some of my colleagues, and I said, want to do a show for the Internet? And they all looked at me like I had lost my mind and said, nah. I thought to myself, hmm, and I went, I'm doing it anyway. And I went home, and I um, pulled this out from my drawer, and I thought, how can I make it specific? How can I make it interesting for the Internet? What can I do with this that would make it not a show that wasn't on network and therefore went someplace else? And I thought, story, life in general is the story of the people who work on the second longest running soap on American television called Greenville General. A, a, a soap opera that takes place in a hospital. The behind, it's life in general is the behind the scenes of that. Greenville General is the name of the show they work on. And I thought, I'm going to make Greenville General its own show so you can watch the behind the scenes and then you can see what the fuss is all about. You see it, the, the, the daytime drama that these people work on. So you have characters. You have Bryn Thayer and Robert Desiderio playing the the first couple of soaps, the first you know the, the the first lady and first man of soaps, and they're married to each other and probably numerous times. Every time they get divorced on television, they get divorced in real life. And, <laughs> and so they're playing uh, uh, Rachel and Brian Day, 
okay? And mm-hmm. Rachel and Brian Day are soap actors who play uh, Lionel and Lara Martin on Greenfield General. So they're basically, what you have is you see Rachel and Brian doing scenes together and having a fight and a disagreement and, and it hits the fan for them during this pilot episode. And then you see those two actors, those two characters, actors, uh, the actors on, the, on Life in General playing different characters on Greenville General, and you see the resonance of whatever's going on with them in their, in their lives on Life in General. It resonates on Greenville General. You, you recognize when, that they've had a fight and their emotions in the scenes they're playing on their soap opera are right at the surface. So it's really kind of fun. It's a show within a show, but they're separate. The idea also is to create two completely separate shows with two completely separate followings. You don't have to watch them both to appreciate them. I think they really mesh well and they they inter they intercut well, but they they run separately. You don't have to if you're just a soap opera fan, you don't have to like life in general. But I know soap fans and soap fans really like to know what's going on behind the scenes. That's oh yeah. The fun. That's half the fun for them. So I have a feeling. I have a feeling that life in general would will gather, gather a certain following. What I'm hoping is that pe- those people who are not normally soap fans, but who like kind of the humorous and dramatic aspects of life in general, will want to see what Greenville General is about and will come to appreciate it on its own. I want to create a show that feels like it's been on for a long time and has an ongoing history and characters who existed before we got there and will continue to exist afterwards. And I, I just had a very nice compliment from a writer friend of mine who said, you know what she said in watching it? The fun thing about it is that usually in shows like this, the soaps themselves are so over the top and so tongue-in-cheek and really make fun of themselves. She said, this was a really good dramatic show. And that's what I, I want to create a real serialized drama for the net, but also one that informs the behind-the-scenes show. And so that's kind of how I came up with with making the two um, work together, and but also what I think is different about it, that you don't have to see them both, that they live on their own, but that they really work well together. You mentioned earlier that it started out as a concept that was a dramedy, and now you're saying that it, um, one of them is a drama. Is one of them more dramatic and one more comedic, or are they both yeah. sort of dramedies? Or how do you, how, what are they in terms of comedy or drama? The behind-the-scenes, life in general, is a dramedy. It's got a lot of real conflict and real... Uh, it's got the humor of everyday life. People are... are um, it's got a lot of unintentional humor, and more really organic humor. It's not jokes. It's not a, a sitcom. It's people being sarcastic. It's, fun, it's unexpected things happening that, that surprise you and make you laugh, and you go, oh, my God, I, wasn't, I didn't see that coming. But it's very much based in reality. It's got a lot of humor. Uh, Greenville General is the daytime drama they work on, and that's a more dramatic program. That's a more kind of, for lack of a better word, traditional soap feel. It'll have a lot of humor in it. A lot of the humor in watching Greenville General will come from knowing that that character was basically propped up because she was too drunk to walk on camera, but then you're going to see the scene that she wound up shooting when she was in that, not in the pilot episode, but, you know, down, down the road, that you'll know what happened behind the scenes, and it'll kind of add another level 
it's another layer to to watching the drama because you know what's going on behind the scenes. But uh, but yeah, the the Screenville General itself is more of a traditional uh, soap opera, for lack of a better word. I don't I can't call it a daytime drama because you could be sitting home at midnight and push the button to play it. That's a good concept for the entire genre to pick up, I think. Oh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Most definitely. One of the things I'm trying to do is elevate soap writers to, you know, so that people have a better sense of, of, of their legitimacy as storytellers, that they're not, because it's a much lower paying um, minimum, because it's five days a week, the pay is lower, and because the pay is lower, there's been kind of a snobbery within our studio, our, the system, both with from writers, from directors, from everybody, you know, nobody's going to get near soap. Certain actors are I'd never do a soap. And um, and I, I'm trying to get people to have a greater appreciation of it. And I think the Internet is going to create a, a, a level playing field for the shows that we do. And I also feel, you know, there's a real sense in our community, and I know you guys must feel it too, that, that the daytime world is shrinking because for the first time ever, as shows are being canceled, they're not being replaced. And right. And it's a great, great, great concern because, first of all, I mean, a show like, a show like Guiding Light has been on for 70 years, and I'm not sure that the world in general uh, appreciates or understands what it's like to have ongoing stories for that long um, and, and fans following it. And I mean, it's, it's iconic, and, um, and it's still on, gratefully. But these shows uh, are trying to, we, we say they're migrating. They, it's not that they're, that we're shrinking. We're migrating to new medium. Cable is starting to, to, uh, expose more, um, of these kinds of things. BET is developing a telenovela. Um, we're hoping that that's where we end up. And we're hoping that the daytime writers won't be, if a, if a show on BET is on at, um, eight o'clock at night and it's on five nights a week, that it's the writers of daytime who will have the opportunity to write those things um, because that's what we do best. And um, and the same thing with the Internet. I think the Internet is such a uh, – one of the reasons I wanted to do this so badly and have such passion about it is because I believe the Internet is our next greatest outlet. And I think daytime writers are perfectly suited for it. We write fast. We write cheap. I think a lot of primetime people are going to be stunned at, you know, that because there isn't the kind of money to be made at this point. But there will be jobs, and the possibilities are much more open. And what I was able to do is not create it for one of the corporations. It's not an NBC.com show the way Coastal Dreams was, which my friend Rick Drawn created. I um, loved that show. <laughs> did you love Coastal Dreams? Yes. I was so, I mean, I've been waiting for a second. I guess there's not going to be a second installment, well, but yeah, I really did. I think there's still talk about whether there'll be a second year of Coastal Dreams. Oh, but okay, I will cool. Tell, I'll tell him you're a fan. He's a good guy. He's a good guy. He's on, uh, he's co-head at uh, Days of Our Lives right now, but he's a good, and he's on, sits on the uh, daytime committee with me. Cool. And, uh, yeah, he's a lovely man. Uh, but, um... Uh, but but his he created Coastal Dreams for NBC, but his ownership was limited because it was just like they treat writers the same. I mean, we're lucky, we're grateful to have jobs, and it's fine. But the difference is that if you strike TV, I own my show. It's mine. Autonomy, yeah, that's awesome. 
It's, I cannot tell you, in this country, writers in all medium, uh, not, in, not in plays and not in, in, um, in uh, novels, but in all television and film and radio, even if you've created something, you're, it's considered a work for hire. Whoever pays to air it owns it. In Europe, mm-hmm. it's not like that. In Europe, authors own, have ownership. But here we don't, and this is a wonderful chance to kind of break that pattern and, and hopefully start to um, to be able to have a little more um, control of, of our stuff. And the other thing that was such so enticing about life in general is they said to us, no one's going to give you notes. If you want feedback, terrific, we'll give you feedback if you ask for it. But we're not going to, you know, submit what your show's about. But nobody's going to say, gee, no, we're not looking for that. As long as it's not porn, Strike TV's going to air it. They've got shows by Steve D'Souza and shows by Tom Holland, a horror show. They've got comedies from the people who brought you The Office. They've got a a little two-minute thing or four-minute thing with Bob Newhart. There's some wonderful different kinds of, you know, little five-minute, ten-minute mini-movies. Mine is the only soap. They've been ex- very excited about it from day one. Um, mine comes. Uh, mine is actually a total of almost 15 minutes. I have to say, it, to me, it flies by. The first nine minutes is life in general, and then the six minutes is um, Greenville General. So, uh, but it's a total of, of 15 minutes. And right now, the goal is to try to find uh, a sponsor for it. It's a. Pi- it's the pilot episode. There's nothing yet to follow it. We did the one I paid out of my pocket for whatever the out-of-pocket costs were. We had a lot of people. Strike TV created kind of their own Craigslist, and people signed up. Got my director of photography. I found, um, actually, my director is a man named Roy Steinberg, who was a producer-director on Days of Our Lives, and before that, for many years, was on Guiding Light. I got him through Scott McKenzie, who was a... um, who is a director on uh, General Hospital, I had called him to see Scott at first because I know him well and we've worked together. And um, he's Beverly McKenzie's son. And oh, wow. Yeah, and she was, um, he said he couldn't, because he, she was, at the time, she was ailing and he um, expected, he, he knew that it was towards the end for her. So he didn't want to commit to anything that would take much of, you know, take his time away from his mother. Um, he was just so devoted to her. So he recommended a friend of his, he said, who had just done a, a half-hour um, project, I think, with Ken Corday, uh, the two, uh, and that was Roy. And Roy came on, and he's been terrific. He's the one that found Ariane Zucker, who's the lead. He's the one that brought her to me, and uh, and I loved I loved her. She's a terrific terrific actress and she was perfect for the role of Winifred, Winnie. Oh, big fan of hers. <laughs> big fan of hers. Love Are her you? Days of our love her on Days of Our Lives. Cannot wait to watch the full episode. She is just so adorable and she really, really got it. We it was tough to play because we shot out of sequence. We shot over a two day period and we shot kind of more like film because we had different locations within two basic locations. We had different sets. And we had to shoot her out of order. And the nine minutes, she builds in kind of anxiety that she starts out kind of slightly stressed. And it builds to, you know, practically a full-blown meltdown. And to do that out of order is really difficult to remember how were you feeling in this moment when you're shooting it. And then the next day you shoot something that happened before that and to be, to, to know 
and understand your level of emotion while you're doing it. It was really good. She got the humor. She was really lovely, really great. We were able to get everybody to donate their services. Um, they all deferred pay, and we had a, uh, an agreement that if the show moved forward, they would all have first opportunity to work on the series. And now we're waiting to see. There's, you haven't asked, but I'll tell you anyway. Uh, there's a company called Virtual Artists, which is, uh, you can Google them. <coughs> they are a, uh, if, if Strike TV is the equivalent of a, of a network, uh, a broadcaster, Virtual mm-hmm. Artists is the equivalent of a studio. And it was put together by 15 or 20 high-end A-list uh, screenwriters. And it includes Tom Fontana, who created Homicide and Oz, Terry George, who wrote Hotel Rwanda, uh, John Logan, who wrote Sweeney Todd and The Aviator, Susanna Grant, who wrote Aaron Brockovich, uh, Warren Light, who runs Law and Order Criminal Intent, a bunch of people like that have donated, have not donated, have um, invested their private money into creating what today's version of United Artists. United Artists was like this in the 20s. As ah. This was a bunch of writers getting together and saying, we want to create a company to to exploit the internet and we are writer friendly and we are going to you know that's what we that's what we're going to focus on and so they're called virtual artists and i'm pleased to say that my show has been picked by them as the one that one of the early things they're going to go out and, and look for uh, financing for congratulations, congratulations. thank you they're i'm very they and strike tv got together and said what show can we take out that is ready to go. And this one is pretty much fully formed. They have a lot of wonderful ideas and concepts that they've got that are, that are in the early conceptual stages, but this thing has already been realized for them. They have something physical to go actually go out and sell. So hopefully we'll get somebody interested, one of the, you know, one of the big advertisers, and see if we can make this work. Try and do you know, 10 episodes, 20 episodes, whatever we can get at this point, and, uh, and see if we can make a go of it. And I'm starting to, you know, I'm going up on, I have a life in general page on MySpace. I'm going to start blogging and hoping that fans will participate and let me know what they think. And I'm really, really, really excited. Well, and for fans who want to check it out, it's MySpace.com slash life in general strike TV, all one word. So you can visit that on MySpace.com. You can see some, right now you can see some behind the scenes photos. You can see what our lobby posters look like when the, when the Strike TV site actually uh, is, is, is live. That's what the page looks like that you'll click on to play the shows. Um, and I believe my blog is up there that I started on Strike TV. What, if people want to, they can check out uh, www.strike.tv and register, and they'll be notified um, when the show is going to run. Uh, and it's I, what we're doing is a soft launch, what they call a soft launch. They have to test it out and make sure that all the equipment works and all the bugs are out. So they're going to do a soft launch where if, certain, if you're registered, you'll be able to probably get the information you need as far and, and access and the p- password. Uh, the real premiere, the wide premiere, will be early September. But when I told them in the PR department there that we were doing this interview, they said that they would uh, come up with a password just for um, 
for uh, Daytime Confidential uh, listeners and viewers, or what, what, uh, people who you're, you're fans of your site, and that uh, the, that once we post that, and you guys will figure out when you want to post it. It may be up right now as this thing is is streaming out over the airwaves. Uh, if if I've gotten you the information already, um, that. Uh, the first, I think they're going to have 200 or 250 uh, fans. We'll get a sneak preview of the show now. We're going to premiere Life in General Monday and uh, Greenville General on the following Monday, which I believe is the 23rd. Is that right? I don't have my calendar. That'll be a fun thing for the for the fans. You know, the, the, I, we can't have too many more than that because uh, the site will only take so much at this point. In order to, it's called beta testing. And it's a, it, almost all technology gets beta tested to make sure that it's user friendly. So this is the this is the, the I think it's a three week period where they're going to test it and make sure that everything's working the way we need it to in order for it to be able to get hopefully thousands of hits. And it won't be just my show up there; it'll be a lot of other people as well. And it'll be I think it's very exciting. I think the whole concept of Strike TV. Oh, and the important thing is that for the because everybody donated and deferred their services. For the first three months of airing, any money that comes in through sponsorship or downloads or anything like that will go to a below-the-line uh, uh, financial aid fund. It was for people below the line who lost uh, income and, and jobs because of the strike. It's not going to go to writers and actors. That's above the line. But it will go to technicians, gaffers, and sound people, and mixers, and post-production. People who need, um, who are in financial need because the strike uh, affected them adversely. So That's I'm awesome. really proud of that as well. That's awesome. After having come out of the writing writer strike, that you're able to give back to the people who were most adversely affected. That's great. Yes, that's what it was. Our, it was the writer's way of giving back and of being able to be creative and 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 exercise that creative muscle in a hundred days while we were on strike. So I'm very very excited about that. According to the synopsis uh, for the Life in General site, it says it is a look at the creative process, the politics of network television, the office romances, the backstabbing, lying, deceit, and depravity that can be found on and off the set of a soap opera. With all of the behind-the-scenes scandals playing out in the soap world right now, do you think it makes Life in General's debut rather timely? I think it's always timely. I don't think there's any off, uh, any any workplace anywhere that doesn't have this kind of stuff going on all the time. I think uh, in the soap world right now, everything's kind of on the surface. You've got all your... Um, you, we've, we've still got so much holdover from the strike of the kind of... Um, the scandals and the, the the bad blood and all of that. I think there's still some of that happening. I think that um, what's going on uh, in the world of journal, soap journalism is certainly noteworthy, and that maybe should be its own series. <laughs> because... Oh no, kidding! No, <laughs> that has just lit up the internet like you would not believe. Wow. I know. I wish I have not had. I've been busy. I've been doubling up on my general hospital scripts the last couple of weeks, and and uh, and uh, so I haven't had a lot of time to follow that. I'm hoping you guys will send me links, and I can actually, you know, wallow in the mud for a while. <laughs> well, needless to say, it's gotten so out of control that they're calling it Hinseygate. <laughs> It's well, not for the I mean, faint of heart. No, it I is not. Listen, it, it 
it's over. John Edwards should be happy. It's overshadowed his scandal. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, you know. <laughs> Did anybody notice that Russia was attacking Georgia? I mean, this was like poor Georgia. <laughs> no, we're all, reading, we're all busy reading about who's doing who. <laughs> Priorities, <laughs> for God's sakes. That's right. That's right. We, we all, we're always up for a good distraction. I do think it's relevant, but I think... I think it's, like I said, I think that that kind of stuff, listen, I wrote those words before any of this ever happened. I wrote those words probably 10 years ago. So, you know. You're the, prophetic. What, what, <laughs> I am prophetic. I am prophetic. I'm way before my time. There but you I go. Think that, I think that one of the things I said in there that I think you'll all appreciate is that, that um, I'm sure people are wondering if, if uh, Joe Beth Williams' character whose name is Mary Kate Walton, that if she's based on any one executive producer that I've ever worked with, and I said, absolutely not. She's based on everyone. I've, every executive producer I've worked with. <laughs> you know, she's a composite. They're all, love them. They're all like, inter- they're the same person. The way they feel about writers, that's how we feel about executive producers. Some you're closer to, some you, you love more, some get you more, some relate to you more and, and nourish you more and, you know, pat you on the head more. But there's something, there's just kind of a survival instinct that kicks in that gives them all common ground so that, you know, I, and if I were in that job, I'd be just like that. You just, you learn how to survive. It is not pretty. But We're seeing that. <laughs> You know, the thing is that this is not, it's not evil and it's not bad. Right. It's, these, these, are, these are people who really, really want the best for everybody. And they truly do mm-hmm. have their crews at heart and their, their cast at heart. And it kills them when they have to tell someone they're not picking them up for the most part, I'm assuming. There's a, probably a few out there that are, are not, um, that, are, that, are, that are more self-serving than others, for lack of a better word but i've been very fortunate i've worked with some really terrific executive producers and that's not just i'm not just you know kissing booty here <laughs> i'm really i really have worked with some very very good people who really seem to appreciate what i do and i've had one or two clunkers in the middle but that goes you know they shall they know who they are <laughs> <laughs> well I want to ask because you mentioned earlier that you filmed the um, premiere episode and that you guys are going to be looking for sponsorship. Assuming that you get sponsorship, how will future episodes progress? Will they be five days a week like daytime soaps? Will they be more like primetime and cable series? Or will it even be something like British series where it's like a 13-episode or six-episode run and then a new season starts? You know, it, a lot of that will depend on how much money we get in sponsorship because the, the, we are literally, the sponsorship will pay for the show. It's like the old days. It's where Procter & Gamble buys the half hour or whatever, buys, you know, 36 episodes. Uh, whoever the sponsor is, that money pays for the show. Uh, it works differently on network television now and in cable because they sell commercial. They have they sell individual commercial spaces. We're looking for a single sponsor to sponsor a season. That's the model we're going after. I'm not doing it personally, but that's, you know I'm doing it hand in hand with these with with virtual artists and and Strike TV is also looking. But um, if you get yes, one, how many episodes would you have? Here's what it, it depends. 
what I'm hoping to do is have 25 episodes of Life in General and 25 episodes of Greenville General. I'm hoping that monetarily they have the same value, that just because one is a soap opera and one is a dramedy, that they're not worth less per minute. The only way that will change is if there's a potential, if they're willing to come up with the money, potential uh, concept of having life in general air on Monday, let's say on a Monday night or a Saturday night or whenever it airs, that the premieres on a, a certain night of the week and then have five episodes of Greenville General that air over the following week. So you have one episode behind the scenes and then you see five six-minute shows of Greenville General, probably consisting of two scenes each, as it is in our in our um, in the pilot. We have uh, uh, you only meet four of the of the actor characters on the show because that's all we have room to tell in the pilot. They have uh, uh, two different scenes. One takes place in a hospital after a character uh, uh, a doctor has performed surgery on someone who died and he and the nurse are discussing it, and the other is, a, is between uh, Brinsay and Robert Desiderio's characters. It's in his home while he's trying to woo her back. He's lost her, and now he's trying to get her back. So we see those four characters. There are others that will exist. In fact, I'm in the process of creating a Greenville General website populated by fake actors playing fake characters on the show So um, and, and creating backstories for everybody and all of that. But... Uh, but what I, I so one of the ways to go is to have one episode of each premiere together every week. The other is to have one episode of the behind the scenes and then follow it up with the um, the episodes of the soap opera and have them air one a day for five days or one a day for four days. If the show Life in General airs Monday, then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday could be Greenville General. Cool. Um, it's, so that would be that would give us a slightly different kind of financial model than. Um, than if we just have one, have each one air once a week. But that might be the way to go. I, that would be fun. That would be a lot of fun. Then you can really tell a good soap story. Um, but, I, I, you know, ideally 25 episodes. It's the equivalent of, say, five uh, hours of prime time, which would be more like the British, both broken down into, you know, five acts each, and each act represents an episode of the show. And I and I'm thematic with them. You know, one is uh, the first one is uh, a theme is chaos, and it runs through both shows. And then uh, you know, if we might have chaos run for four or five episodes, and then go to um, uh, jealousy as a, a theme for a, a whole you know three or four shows. Then we go to a, maybe um, uh, betrayal as a theme, passion, so that we can use those classic soap serialized drama kind of themes for both shows that show that it happens in real life and that's why we end up writing about it in daytime. Well, let's hope that you find funding right away because I could handle watching five hours of web clips. I just know I could. (laughs) Let's talk a little bit about um, some of the cast members you mentioned. Uh, Yes! Oh, wow. Brent Thayer, for newer soap fans who um, might not know, she was huge on One Life to Live as Jenny Wallach. Um, Jenny Wallach. How'd you, how'd you snag her? 
How did I snag her? I threatened to blackmail her. <laughs> Very classic, soapy. Classic <laughs> soap. No, uh, Bryn and I uh, go back, believe it or not, it, before my soap days and after her soap days. Bryn had just moved out here from New York. I had done a, I was doing a pilot for ABC Primetime called Deadline Madrid about American journalists overseas. We shot it in Madrid, Spain. And I cast Bryn. I was the, the executive producer and the, and the writer of it. It was a two-hour uh, pilot. We aired it as a movie, ultimately. It didn't sell. I'll tell you what ABC picked up instead. They picked up 30-something, which is Ooh. one of my all-time favorite shows, so I can yeah, hardly be resentful. But I would have loved to have had this show. Um, um, it was terrific. But that's how I met Bryn. I met Bryn because she starred in my pilot, and we became very, very good friends and uh, have stayed friends over the years. And for years, she said, when are you going to put me in something? And for years, I said, when am I going to be able to get you? In fact, for a very short period in the mid-'90s, she guessed she, we brought her into General Hospital. She played um, a short-term role when we first did the wards. That Mary Mae Ward first came up on the canvas uh, in the Luke and Laura story when Luke okay. and Laura returned. And Mary May had been living in the house, and there was a body buried. Do you remember that they had a, a, a Mary May had had a son with yes. Edward? Yes. Mm-hmm. Justice was the grandson. The, she, they had had a son, and the son had been running for some public office, and Bryn had been his mistress, his, his, had had a brief affair with this guy. She was a journalist who had an affair with a political candidate. And, uh, and, um, and that she came on for that short uh, when they discovered the body, she wound up having to come in and testify. So it was really, but so I got to work with her briefly then. So I uh, about in January when we were on strike and I had just decided I was going to do this, um, and I thought no way will she agree. But she had written and starred in a one-woman play at the Beverly Hills Playhouse called Eulogy. It was God, it was so good. And I had gone to see it several times because we were talking about she wanted my feedback on the writing of it, and that, that it was perfect. I mean, I, there was nothing I could say to her except full admiration for what she'd done. And um, and so she was very excited about it. And I, at the opening night, I said, I've got I've got a thing. I'm doing a, a pilot for the Internet. She said, where do you want me? When should I be there? I mean, she didn't even ask what it was. So that was fabulous. But... Judith Light, who played her sister and is still a good friend of hers, was there at the opening night with her husband, Robert Desiderio. And Robert Desiderio, I said, I called Bryn the next day, and I said, Robert would be perfect to play your husband on this Internet soap that I'm doing. And she said, here's, this, you know, here's, here's where you contact him. And he and I talked, and he, I had only met him you know, a couple of times socially through her. But I, he was very interested in the Internet stuff. He has started also writing and directing uh, in little independent features and, and has a number of ideas he's pushing forward. And he was curious to see how the in, this Internet thing worked, as we all like to say. And he agreed to do it. And he had a blast. The two of them said it was like doing theater. They felt they loved it. They loved working together. 
they've both said, you know, I mean, time is passing, and I'm getting nervous as more time passes that people will become less available, but they both said that they would make themselves available for this, and I'm keeping my fingers crossed that they will. So, that, so that's, uh, you know, and I, Bryn and I love working together. Uh, she's the only actress I've ever worked with when, I, when she says the words I've written, it's exactly the same way I heard them in my head. She ab she hears my rhythm so clearly. She calls me alter, as in alter ego. <laughs> so I guess it, she gets to be the beautiful part of me. But anyway, that's how I knew Brim, and it, and it's been just a delightful relationship ever since. We're very very close to them, and and I was thrilled together. And ev I I have to I have to brag for a minute that all of the cast on this show were made through, I did not have a casting director. I have 12 people acting in the show, and everyone was through personal phone call, personal connection. Um, I picked up the phone, or I, um, I was able to cast the show the way it is. That's but, amazing. Yeah, it's, it's astonishing. I, probably the, the furthest from um, any personal connection was Joe Beth Williams, but Joe Beth, who was like, we were just, I couldn't believe it. Uh, Strike TV, as I said earlier, had this whole kind of Craigslist that they posted of people who were willing to volunteer their work, to uh, their their expertise to help Strike TV make an impact. And uh, that's how I got my DP and, and my director of photography, and it's how I got uh, the first assistant. And, and also word of mouth. You know, I found out one Strike TV produ uh, uh, creator had a first assistant that they recommended, and God bless him, he was willing, Larry, his name was Larry Lerner, and he was willing to do it, you know, for no money. Same thing with the, the director of photography, Harlan Bosmagian. And, um, but Joe Beth was listed under actress, and she said she would look at scripts, and dependent on the, reading the script, would decide. And she, I sent her the script, and she immediately said, absolutely. And um, I was very fortunate. She's in New York doing a play right now, so I'm not sure what her her schedule is or if she she'll carry it forward. But we're in, we we put everybody in a world where being recast is you know <laughs> par for the course. <laughs> Today, the part of the executive producer will be played by. Oh, you've got to do that. You know, you have to do the role of <laughs> yes, at least anyway, once. So. That well, was great. I got, obviously, um, I'll tell you how I got Sk Scott Clifton. I got Scott Clifton, who I, of course, had worked with on General Hospital. He had already been written off. Uh, he was gone from the show. Um, he'd come back once or twice, I think. He'd just come back for uh, 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 Georgie's funeral. And we were we were on strike, and we were picketing at Prospect. And I was with uh, Michelle Valjean and Tracy Thompson, walking in circles with, with sticks, and Scott showed up to walk with us, as did some others at other times. But Scott was oh, walking cool. with us, and we we spent half an hour together. And and as he was leaving, he said he had to go. He had an interview or something, and he was leaving. He was crossing the street, and suddenly my brain kicked into gear, and I went, "Oh my God, wait!" You know, and I yelled at him and caught up with him, and I said, "Listen, I'm doing this internet thing." I didn't even know what part he would be. I just knew that I. And in fact, I wrote. He plays. Um, the stage manager on the show. He doesn't play an actor on it. He plays the stage manager, and he's absolutely such a dream to work with. He was such a doll. And I said, I don't know what it is yet, but do you want to be part of it? He said, absolutely. And he gave me his email address, and he's there. And then awesome. Lindsay, he had just killed off. The last script I wrote before I went on strike, 
was uh, the finding of, of Georgie's body. And I got to write the John York reaction, uh, Max reaction to, to Georgie's death. And oh my God, John York walked out and he also walked in circles with us at Prospect the day he was shooting it. And he was, we were like weeping and walking and weeping. It was so sad. You know? Oh, it was. <laughs> oh my God. And, uh, and, but Lindsay, I knew Lindsay was available and, and I asked her and she said yes. And I didn't know if I'd put her with Scott or not on, on the show as of yet. No, but she plays a completely different character and it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Um, uh, she, she did a really nice job and I've got, um, a terrific guy named Rice Sibley who, uh, I, I met through some theater stuff that, that was, uh, that my husband did. And I, I liked him very much. He plays the hunk. He plays a character named Rod Steele. That's the actor <laughs> on the show. You can write that background yourself, can't you? Then you can come up with some backstory for this guy. I'll bet <laughs> so, you it doesn't take much. Yeah, so it's not going to take much, but that'll come out soon <laughs> enough. But right now he takes himself, Rod takes himself very seriously as an actor. He's taking, he's, he's studying Shakespeare. So, and he's, Stripping nurses. Uh, <laughs> hey, he, he's the great. bard would be proud. The bard would be proud. He's the guy without a shirt on in all the pictures that you'll see, and as it should be. Of um, course, but he's terrific. He's a terrific guy. And John Engel, I would, you know, I mean, I'd give him the phone book to read and, and be happy. He's just so wonderful. Oh, um, huge fan of his. Huge fan. I just oh, I, the man is is. So delightful and so generous and kind. And I had just come through, um, written a scene for him that he was so wonderful. It was, it was. I don't know if I don't know if you guys watch GH Daily or regularly enough to remember this, but it was it was when it was right when Georgie died, and it was a scene about how he had basically turned into Joe Kennedy. That he was. Oh yes, loved it. Yeah. Oh, you wrote that. That came to me, and I'm not kidding. It was like I woke up one morning, I was half asleep, and the whole thing played out in my head. And in fact, I'll tell you a, a little secret that I can't, that I think I can without getting into trouble. And that's that I originally wrote that when um, Alan died. That was originally for that, and John was over the moon. He loved it, and everybody loved it. And the shows were set. Was right after it was during the Metro Court uh, mm-hmm. uh, February sweep. The shows were all running so long that they had to cut it. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's what I was just going to say. I thought he said that when Alan died. No, no, he, he, uh, he didn't. He was supposed okay. to give it when Alan was in the hospital, and, um, and they cut it, but they called me, and they called John Engel, and they said, we will find a place to put this. We cannot let it go. We're, you're going to have your scene. And so they called when, when, when Emily died. We were able to reinstate it. They said we're going to yes. back. They they promised John and me, uh, Bob Guza did, and and Jill did. They said we want to find a place to put this. We love this so much, and uh, and when Emily died, uh, he made the speech. And, and I thought and, that that was a really good button because you know so many people talk about the deaths of the Quartermains, but 
by tying it into that legacy. I mean, and it it happens. Look at, I mean, wealthy yeah. families like the Kennedys are cursed. Yeah. All that fabulous yeah. wealth, and then I've always believed in the that there's a Kennedy curse. I've always thought there's something there, and and I thought, you know, wouldn't it be Joe Kennedy would be just the guy that Edward Quartermain would have fashioned himself after. And he talked yes. about how he, he, you know, admired him so much. He said, I never cared much for his politics, which is typical Edward. But he, <laughs> said, I, he said, I really, really loved, you know, I really liked his style. And, um, and uh, you know, I, how, do, how do you do that? He said, how do, how do I become like you? And the man said to him, you have to have the, you have to have the stomach for it. And uh, that was the story. And I, I just, it was one of those, it's one of those moments when you go, okay, sometimes you're you, you don't control what you write. It just happens for you. And that was one of those moments, really special moments. But anyway, that's my little John Ingalls story. I love him. And uh, Jordan Bridges, who plays uh, Julian Rush. Julian Rush is a young um, uh, uh, intellectual who has written a, um, a thesis about the history of soap opera in America from Charles Dickens on. Uh, to the, uh, America's contribution to the canon of serialized storytelling, and uh, for, he calls it from Dickens to daytime. And um, and and Jordan is um, uh, from a long line of actors. His grandfather was Lloyd Bridges, and his father is Bo Bridges, and his uncle is Jeff Bridges, and his mother is a friend of mine. Wow. So I said, what's Jordan doing? Jordan, you may know from um, two things. He did a Dick Wolf series a couple of years ago about young prosecutors in New York. Mm -hmm. And I can't remember what it was called. It was a one-word title, but it was a, it was lasted about 13 episodes. I remember that show. It was a character-driven one, which was... Very character-driven. Mm -hmm. Very unusual. Very, which is very unusual for coming out of Wolf. Dick yes. table of shows. And he also was in Mona Lisa's Smile. Do um, you remember the Julia Roberts film where she yes. was at the girls' college? Uh -huh. Kirsten Dunst was in it, and Kirsten yes. Dunst gets married. She's the young bride, and she marries this kind of nasty little snotty stockbroker who I think is fooling around on her. Jordan played her husband in that, the stockbroker. Oh, okay. Wow, well, you've got plenty of talent to draw from, definitely. I've got a lot of talent in there. <laughs> I'm trying, did I miss anybody? Hold on, I've got Ari, Ari, Arianne Zucker, I had never met, but Roy Steinberg, our director, had um, had found her, and he knew her from working with her on, he went from the first time around when she was Nicole, and she did the show. We had a blast. She was just adorable, and we got to use her jewelry, we got. We gave her a, 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 a her. She designs her own jewelry called Loud Sugar. So all the all the characters wore various pieces of her jewelry on the show. It was fun. Um, so let's see. Let me make sure I've gotten everybody. I got Joe Beth, Ariane Zucker, Brent Thayer, Robert Desiderio, Jordan Bridges, John Engel, Lindsay Leatherman, Rife Sibley, Scott Clifton. I have uh, Brian Rada, who you would not know. He's fairly new. Brian. It came out from New York recently, and I found him because he was our liaison for Strike TV. They had hired him to work with various creators to help them get what they needed and guide them and all of that. And he had told me he wanted to be an, he, that he was an actor, and I said he was doing some theater work. 
I said, send me your picture. And I looked and I said, he's perfect to play Dean Taylor, who is the young network executive um, who basically has to kiss the executive producer's ass. He has to. He's, <laughs> the, he's the kiss up, and he's the one that tries to keep everybody happy. He's like this. He's like a mid-level executive, a director of programming, kind of. Not a vice president. Not a. You know, he's the, he's the um, the rep for the the head of the network. And the head of the network we never see. He's just a voice on a speakerphone every week. Wouldn't and it be his, if that was true in daytime? Wouldn't it be? <laughs> <laughs> we have him in New York, which is a little bit of a stretch from what the truth is now, because they're all out here. So that voice, he's being voiced by Bruce Servi, C-E-R-V-I, who's my husband, who is, like me, in a renaissance of his life. He, Bruce has been a writer and producer for years. He was on Walker, Texas Ranger and Magnum P.I., but when he first came to L.A. 25 years ago, 30 years ago, he wanted to be an actor, and he recently started acting again. Well, I have to say, you guys, between you, have written for all of the shows I grew up watching with my grandparents. <laughs> Isn't that nice? Yeah. yeah. Chris, Chris it. Walker, Texas Ranger is everybody's parents' favorite show. Oh, you did not mess with that TV when Walker was on in my grandfather's yeah. living room. <laughs> and, Indeed. And, well, Indeed. for me, it was Knight Rider, which I have to ask, with the new Knight Rider coming back to television, what do you think of it to see it reincarnated? Um, well, let me put it to you this way. I also worked on The Incredible Hulk, and I've seen that come back in two movies. So. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't know. I'm hoping it does better than six million than the uh, Bionic Woman did um, uh, when they brought that back. It, it's, I, I, I don't – I'm a little disturbed at how nothing is original on television anymore. Mm-hmm. They're all versions of something else. There's not a show um, on that isn't either a, a show in your... It's almost like people are afraid... Same with features. People are yeah. afraid that if the idea hasn't been done before, there's no guarantee it'll succeed. But there's no mm-hmm. guarantee, guarantee it's going to succeed anyway. I think the most innovative stuff is going to be done on the Internet. It's being done on cable. Oh, my God, Mad Men is brilliant. Brilliant. You know, uh, uh, Rescue Me. It's such a great show. I mean, these shows are original, and, mm-hmm. and they're for me. They're must-watch TV. But but everything else is is you know comes from somewhere else. They're, they're green lighting based on benchmarks, basically. Uh-huh. And, well, I think um, isn't CBS redoing Worst Week, which was a British show? I think that's coming out this. Oh week. yeah, that's another thing. Not a British show. Well, there's a show on <laughs> a pilot on ABC. Rob Thomas wrote called. Uh, Good behavior, which is based on a, a New Zealand series. And there's you know, I mean, there, there's one on AB, or NBC coming out that's based on an Australian one. Um, oh, I'm trying to remember the name of it. It's Kath and Kim or something like that. Oh, that, yes. That's been airing during the Olympics. Mm. The previews for it. it, it I must say it looks funny. <laughs> I love Ma- uh, Molly Shannon. Oh, well, the one, the good behavior, is, it's actually, I know about it because my husband and his partner had sold the original concept, oh, had wow, the rights cool. of the New Zealand show and sold it to ABC. But that, that's the one Catherine O'Hara's in, in the pilot. I don't know if the show's going to be picked up. But. Okay, Karen, in addition to writing for GH and creating your own show, Life in General, you also write for General Hospital Night Shift. What's it like writing for SoapNet's biggest hit? Well, it's it's been a thrill. I mean, it's I'm so happy on so many levels. One is that um, 
it's been fun to write a general hospital from a different perspective. Um, that's and that's kind of what they had talked about Port Charles being originally. It's the other when do you stay at the side of town that you don't see? Uh, night shift is fun because we have characters we know in the hospital. It's kind of a different. I love writing Robin and Patrick anyway. They're very special to me, and so um, to be able to focus on them is great. Uh, I I've known I wrote two episodes last year, which were, was great. Bob Guzzi was head writing it last year. This year, coming out of the strike, um, it just seemed we needed to get back to work on the the, the daytime show. So he he uh, he chose not to do it this year, and they hired a guy that I've known for quite a long time. His name is Sri Rao, and he's a playwright from New York. I had seen his play originally when he had, that was mounted at the Greenway Court Theater in Los Angeles about 10 years ago, 12 years ago. I was actually still working at about 12 years because I was working on General Hospital the first time I was co-head writer with Bob um, in 95-96. And, um, and uh, I loved his writing, and he's a friend of a friend, and I, we've kept in touch over the years. I hadn't seen him or spoken to him in five or six years, and I know he's a huge fan of General Hospital. In fact, in 95, I arranged for his, he and his, his mother to, to take a tour of the set. And all of a sudden, his name came up, and on a phone call, somebody said, hey, I hear they're talking to this guy. Does anybody know him? And I just went crazy. I was so happy. And I wasn't sure how, if I was going to be able to do it. Like I said, we were just coming back from the, um, from the strike, and, and we were staying focused on getting the show back on track again as best as we could. And, and, uh, and I didn't know what Sri's plans were. And when um, the opportunity came to do one, I was just thrilled. And then I got a great episode where um, where uh, it's where Ro- Robert's going in for surgery. I mean, where Robert's going in for surgery, and Robin has to make a decision. Um, she has his medical power of attorney, and um, it was it was. I have to tell you, I ha- I went to the table reading last Wednesday uh, of the script, and all three Scorpios. I have Mac and Robert and Robin. All came up to me, so happy. And so pleased with being able to express some real powerful family stuff in that story, and it was just it was a delight to write it. It's very different from writing, um, but even last year it was very different from writing the daytime show. The daytime shows are very specifically laid out scene by scene, and uh, and uh, uh, as far as the structure, because you have to tell the story you're given because what happens the day before and what happens the day after all has to track. When you're doing it once a week, you can take a few more liberties. And um, I had a very strong outline, but it gave me a lot of a lot of freedom and a lot of room to move. Uh, uh, three wrote the outline, and I had a lot of freedom to move around within that and and, and come up with character stuff and stories to tell. And, and I, I'm very very proud of it. I think it's going to be a really dynamite episode. I'm really looking forward to it. And I think the show is great. I love that Soapnet is doing. Uh, something unusual that they're doing something you know that they're taking a risk with this and it it has been their most successful show and this is the kind of stuff we're looking for is the future of daytime it may not be on it you know two o'clock in the afternoon anymore um there's still a couple of shows on the bubble i mean there may be six in, in by t- 2010 there may only be six daytime shows on the air that we're used to but there'll be shows on other channels there'll be you know, telenovelas and, you know, uh, uh, late night uh, 
serialized drama and internet and cable that will make up for, for what we're missing. I think we'll always want our fix of good serialized storytelling. And um, I'm thrilled that SoapNet you know, is, did well enough last year that they felt comfortable doing it for second year. And, you know, we hear a lot of talk. I know nothing about, I know nothing that you guys know, which is <clears throat> whether they're going to do it with One Life to Live, which would be terrific. Um, it would be great to do a spin-off of those and, and, and uh, have other opportunities for that. It would be great if SoapNet started developing their own original soaps. I don't know that they're going to do They seem to be focusing right now more on um, reality shows. I think maybe because they're a little bit cheaper to do. They can do something like Night Shift because they can utilize the actors they have in the sets and all that. Although mm-hmm. I think from my understanding this year is they've, they've built all new sets. They have their own little studio and their own designated cast and crew and... But but I, I you know I yeah just listen to me the more the merrier. Yeah, definitely. Any any time we can get the Scorpios on our screens, many of our daytime confidential listeners and readers will be extremely happy. So uh, it's something to look forward to most definitely. Yeah, they did a great job. I, I I'm a big fan of John York. I, I I you know he and I have a have a real nice kind of camaraderie that we've built over the years. We would like to thank you so much for joining us on this episode, and we would encourage everyone to visit myspace.com slash life in general, strike TV, all one word. And also be sure to check out Strike TV, well, the Strike TV community blog, I should say, which is on LiveJournal, which is community.livejournal.com slash strike TV. And be sure to check out the Daytime Confidential for the special code so that when we publish it, you can be one of the first 200 people to watch it. We Yay. think, yeah, that's going to be a blast. Gonna have to, there might be only 198 left over by the time Jamie and I get our two watches in. I, I can't <laughs> wait to see what people think. I'm really anxious to get their, get their response, you know, to see how, what the fans think of it. And uh, it's going to be, I, I'm really looking forward to it. I really am. It's, the, it's to be that interactive, to have people be able to kind of, that immediate feedback is part of the excitement of doing something on, on, on the Internet, on the web. I'm really excited. I appreciate what you guys do. I think it's terrific. I, the first time I ever tuned in to you was when you did Tom Cassiello's uh, uh, podcast. Okay. And I love Tom. And, you know, and, and, uh, and uh, please keep what you're keep supporting daytime and supporting the writers and recognizing the contributions we all make. And, uh, and I'm very grateful for, for what you do. I think it's important to the fans to have this kind of conduit for, for our imagination. A lot of things are blamed on the writers, and there's things that are out of your control sometimes. So it's nice to be able to see your work, and this is something that you have complete control over, and we Absolutely. can't wait to see it. And I have to take full responsibility. If you hate it, it's all my fault. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again, guys. Oh, we thank, thank you, you so, so much. Thank you so much, Karen, and best of luck. <laughs>